Yeah, so last session, you'd had an evening at home with with Irma Kore, the telephone girl, who also happens to be a living mannequin, a living doll, so to speak, who is wise beyond her years and seems to have knowledge beyond her years. She's told you some very important stuff about Abizu, which I'm sure you all remember. But just to just to recap, remember the basics are Abizu is is beyond beauty. Her appearance just draws people in. No one can really resist her beauty. She comes from this dark dimension. She's been summoned from this dark dimension. And the only way to get her back, to go back, is to enter that dark dimension and banish her from there. And uh, to do that, you must drink of the sacred milk in her chalice and pass through the seven gates of heaven. And that was more or less what Irma told you. But on the way back, you heard some rather troubling news from her two, I guess, bodyguards, protectors, who told you that Baron Grunau has eyes everywhere and he will exact revenge on Irma for telling you this thing. And they were, they were crying in the car back because they clearly loved the, the young girl. Pesh and Georg were their names. And they dropped you off at um, so- Cafe Sophie. So after turning in for the night, you woke up and decided that a visit to the Pergamon Museum was in order. And you headed there and saw the magnificent um, recreation of the Ishtar Gate that they built in the almost completed museum, still in under construction. And there you met Walter Andrei, Andrei, director. Yeah, and he told you, yes, he told you a very some very interesting information about Astarte. He kind of jokingly compared her to a vampire and said that uh, in such tales, Lilith loses most of her powers during the day, becoming weak and vulnerable as long as the sun is in the sky. Except it's foggy. Yeah, okay. As we're traveling about the city, like there are still revelers in the street, right? Yeah, it feels like the city is teetering on the brink of total chaos and collapse. Does it seem like more subdued now than it did last night? Oh no. No. Okay, so it's not like calming down during the day and surging up at night. It's like just getting more and more crazy. It's a good point. I think naturally people get up to more craziness once the sun goes down, but it's not like everything goes back to normal during the daytime. No, no, not at all. In fact, if anything, seems things seem to be escalating, because remember, there were those swarms of hissing cockroaches everywhere. There were quarantine signs going up, more of these terribly sad funeral processions and so on. One more question. The, I can't remember who, but was it Irma who, or Walter who told us something about her not being irresistible? It was Irma that told you that anyone that finds the female form attractive comes under her spell unless you're extremely strong-willed. So I'm sure as a gamer you can interpret that. I think you got everything you needed out of Walter Andrei. So what's your what's your next move? I think those two guys were coming to visit. They were supposed to bring us information. Yes, they were. Around midday. Yes. So we should probably go head back to, to meet them. I mean, we could split up, but I, I don't have anything else to do until the lecture. Yes, the, the lecture evening. the lectures are 8 p.m. tonight. So, yes, you have s- several hours to, um, if there's something else you need to do. But, yeah, so I guess you hop again in uh, Katroyan's car. As you're heading out, there's a lot of passed out revelers on the front lawn. When you get back to your car, you see something very weird. There's an owl sitting on the roof of your car. 
odd. I uh, impatiently shoo it away. <laughs> As it flies off, you're sure it turns its head round and looks at you with a piercing look. With its head turned backwards. Uh, yeah. Then <laughs> it flies off into the sky. Into the sky. Yeah, I don't want you to think it's completely overcast. The, the sun, the sun is poking out now. The, it's not like a thick fog that's been enveloping the city. It's not like that. It's more like banks of mist getting blown around by the wind, almost like tendrils reaching in and out of alleyways and, and streets. Yeah, I don't know if it makes sense for us to go to those gates now, or if we should just wait till we know we need to go there. How? Otherwise, we'll go back. The ritual with the. Drink the milk of something. And we don't know what the sacred milk is in her chalice. Right. We don't know where the chalice is. We don't know what the sacred milk is. We obviously, I assume that we'll find that, out, perhaps we'll find that out when we beat it out of Alban Grau. Well, we could ask him. Uh, Irma told us was we needed to... No, I was going to maybe the gates have a clue. I don't know. As to what the chalice is, no? I'm not one to just go wait for somebody else to come tell us something, is all I'm saying. Sitting around a bar waiting for people to give us information is not how uh, Emily wants to operate, but... We got some time. Okay, cool. So you head down the um, very grand boulevard that leads up to the Brandenburg Tour. It was designed to impress everyone with its magnificence. Unter den Linden. So, yeah, you get out and have a poke around. What exactly are you trying to kind of figure out from looking around here? First thing, we want to see how this relates to the Ishtar Gate. If we can look at it and go like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that kind of correlates. So you can all make a power roll when you're there walking around. There we go. Okay, well. I did a regular success. Yeah, so... I should have asked this before. Which of you didn't die in that dream? <laughs> in the first... I think Eckhart and Katorian died. Yeah. Okay, so Anne-Marie. Eckhart, you, you don't really seem to find the connection. Because you never saw this, but Anne-Marie, pieces of your memory are starting to come back. And I don't know whether that's a welcome thing or an unwelcome thing. But it's almost like the image of the Ishtar Gate in all its finery, its purple and gold and lapis, lapis lazuli tiling and engravings. It's almost flickering, superimposed on top of the Brandenburg Tor. You, you don't know whether it's just the, the, the weird light or maybe just some optical effect, but it's almost like there's, a, there's another image being, being superimposed over the top. And although it's not exactly the same shape, it just somehow seems to fit exactly that this was that crazy image of, of the Babylonian gate from that dream that you had all those all those years those two years back and I think you need to make a sanity roll for that uh, sanity, just a regular green one? yeah, so um, oh, I failed that. you can roll a d2 roll okay. a d2 so two? yeah, so you lose you lose two sanity. Tell me what your reaction to seeing this weird superimposed image is. So I, I see this, and, and uh, now, of course, I'm regretting being the one that I'd want to go here, and I feel a little bit sick. And I say, Max, and I, I, I lead onto Max's shoulder, and I say, Look, look, the, the gate from the. I've seen this. I, 
I thought it was a dream. And then I, I kind of look away and uh, I say, I need to sit down. And I'm going to turn around and walk away from the rest of the group towards the benches. Then. I'm concerned, so I'm going to follow and ask if you're okay and sort of help you to sit down. I feel like, do you remember when we, when we went to the, the show years ago? And yes. I don't really remember much, but it, it started to come back in dreams and thoughts. And I think it's connected to this gate. You can, I can see. I, I think this is real. The dream was real. Do you mean? Yes, I, I think. I think we need to to stop this, Max. Okay, yeah, of course we'll, we'll we will stop it. Yes, of course. Don't worry. Chill over a cigarette. We should probably leave this place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should leave. Okay. I don't want anyone to be distressed further. Okay. Come, let's go back. If Anne-Marie's able, I sort of would lead her back to the group and strongly suggest that we head back. Okay. Well, knowledge comes at a price, doesn't it? I mean, I'm staring at this thing trying to logically figure out the connection and I'm like shaking my head going, I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, those of you that didn't kind of get that insight, it doesn't seem feasible because what you saw of the Ishtar Gate, it's very different in size and shape and structure. Doesn't quite make sense. So you head back then, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go see Henry. Poor Henry. Okay. So you get back to Cafe Sophie, and Max, you want to go and see Henry then? Yeah, I want to see if he fell down the stairs last night. Well, that's up to you, I think, isn't it? <laughs> I think it was up to Egon. Does he get a scene finally? <laughs> I mean, he's got the odd moment, doesn't he? Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you want... If you want to play Egon in the basement with Henry, that's up to you. I, you Whatever. To... Have any of you guys ever seen a Boardwalk Empire? Remember that guy's friend, the army vet who had a mask? <laughs> the sniper. Yeah, the sniper. Yeah, the sniper. Exactly. Well, Egon has one of those masks too because he was injured by mustard gas during the war. So It's very creepy. Very creepy. So that that's my that's my man. That's my friend. My only my only trusted lieutenant. Who uh, who runs my place in my in my absence? Okay, so you get back and um, Egon is there. He's cleaning his nails with a switchblade. Appropriate, yes. Yeah, and he says, "Hello, boss." Ho- hello, Egon. Uh, anything uh, that I should know about that happened? I don't know. What are you interested in? Just if anybody other than the usual prostitutes and dope addicts have been. Uh, hanging around here, and nobody that looks like a like a, a professor of some weird occultology, whatever. <laughs> no, nothing special. Just the usual bums. Okay, you didn't have to manhandle too many of them, I hope. No, but I tell you what, it's very strange. About an hour ago, this uh, big bird came and sat on the, the uh, window ledge, looked in. I could swear it wanted to come in. An owl? Yeah, I don't know. Some big bird. Something like that. Had big eyes. Makes more sense than I would like it to. Yeah. Oh, you know this? You know this bird? Well, not personally, but it seems to know me, unless I'm going crazy. Well, well, you know, maybe it's lucky. You heard the expression, haven't you? 
Lucky Owl, the Lucky Owl. Perhaps in in my experience, uh, things that are unexpected that I don't know about are usually bad. Right, right. Well, I tell you, you your pal downstairs, he doesn't have to like like making a racket. I had to go down a couple of times, quiet him down a bit, you know. Did you have to straighten him out? Well, you know, just remind him that uh, this is a respectable joint that we don't like people screaming in the basement. So I guess I should go head down there, is what you're saying, okay. Oh, no, maybe give it a bit. I don't think he'll be able to say much for a while. You know, why is that? Well, you know, he might have a bit of a speaking problem for a bit. I don't think we'll get much of use out of him anyway. He's a fruit loop. I'm inclined to agree. So, at this point, you see the doorway darken. Suddenly, the door is pushed open hard, slamming against, against the wall, and... Pesh rushes in. He says, They did it. They did it. The Schweiner. The pigs? No. Grunau's men. They got Georg. He says, Can I have a drink? Quick. What happened? Yeah. And he sits down. He says, Give me a drink, quick. I motion Aegon to bring him the bottle of the cheap corn. That's like the worst vodka. <laughs> uh, he's, he downs it in one. He says, Oberbaumbrucker. And then he opens up his jacket and you see this huge spreading blood stain just below his chest in the stomach area. And he holds his hand to his shirt and it comes away covered in blood. And he says, you better go. I'm checking the load in my weapon and I'm standing up putting on my coat. I put my hand over the wound. I try to uh, treat it if I can. Is the doctor in the bar? <laughs> yeah, you need to make a, an extreme luck roll then, Katrian. To treat his wound? No, no, oh, to see if your doctor's here. Oh, extreme luck. Yeah. Well, to see how drunk he is. For extremely lucky, he's like, just drunk enough. <laughs> wow. Fuck me, you're 99 and a half. I mean, that's not so hard, actually. <laughs> actually, you know what, though? This makes this is better. <laughs> the doctor is in. The doctor, which I don't think we have a name for him. Do we have a name for him? I think he just goes by the doctor. The doctor, okay. Dr. Roth, yes, okay, perfect. Dr. Roth, that means red in German. Yeah, not his actual name, his, his nickname after what happened to a lot of his patients. Right. Or, his, or maybe he's got a big red nose. He comes over, and Pesh looks up at him and says, No chance, Doc. And then the doctor kind of bends down, looks at him, goes round the back, and he puts his hand to his back, and, and that's also covered in blood. He's been shot straight through. And the doctor says, Here. And he gets out his bag, he gets out the morphine, he says, This will make it hurt a bit less. You see that Pesh is he's just bleeding out. He's... He's got moments to live, probably. He's been shot through a main artery. But he did manage to tell you, Oberbaumbrücker Bridge. Oberbaumbrücker. Okay. Yeah, it's like the main bridge. It's like the main bridge in the city. He said, and as he's kind of fading, he's kind of, you see his, his eyes are just kind of flickering. His lids are fluttering up and down. And you can see he's like zooming in and out of focus. And he says, that's where they're taking her. Please. Hurry. And then he slumps forward onto the table. I guess I know what we're doing now. We're going to Oberbaum Brooker, friends. Do do what? I ask Aegon to take care of the body, you know, discreetly. 
he nods. It's just a kind of normal day, I guess, in at the Cafe Sophie. It's not like he hasn't done it before. Yeah. All right. So you get in the car and you race through the city. I want to take my rifle that I kept in the boot of his car out and have it in the back seat. Yes. All right. So you're tooling up and you're heading to the Oberbaumbrücker Bridge. I ask uh, Eckhart to drive. Sure. No offense, uh, but I'm not a gangster. <laughs> well, you've fallen in with a few. I was going to suggest I hang off the back of the car like a gangster. <laughs> on the running board. Foot, foot on the running board. Yeah, but uh, we can save that for later. It's fine. I want to do that at some point. It's epic. I just don't think I'm ready for it. All right, so you race across town towards the Oberbaumbrücker. First, you need to make a drive roll. Yes, you are successful. So um, you manage to weave your way very effectively through the, the midday traffic, and you get there in very good time. Now, as you're approaching the bridge, you're coming probably from the south, uh, approaching the river. Who else is in the front seat with, with you, Eckhart? Whoever jumped in, probably, yeah. Yes, that makes sense. All right, you can both make a spot-hidden roll. Okay. So, yeah, Eckhart, you're keeping your eyes peeled. Obviously, you're very you're very focused on the road and, and what's up ahead. And you see that in the middle of the bridge, just walking towards... Well, walking is one way of describing it. Walking towards one of those pontoons, one of those the pilings, are three large men and they, they're dragging Irma who's struggling struggling and shouting and some passers-by you, you saw them go like a couple of laborers or whatever who were perhaps doing some work along the side they went up at one point and you saw them just get shoved out of the way and they got put on put on the ground by by the thugs so what are you gonna do guys I gun the engine direct the car at them, <laughs> duck low, and uh, draw my pistol. Uh, Max, <laughs> this is I. Yeah, this is my time. You have to hit one of the guys on the outside. I'm not actually intending to mow them down. I'm attempting to like gun the engine at them and get their attention, and then take a few pot shots and see how much they want to drag her around. Yes. I fear bullets. <laughs> I'm going to leave my gangster fantasy and I want to stick out of the window and fire at them with my rifle. If I were to jump out of the car and try to like roll on the sidewalk and try to make my way on foot, kind of hoping the guys are distracted, uh, actually, I'm just going to do that. So you just tell me what, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. <laughs> you could ask Eckhart to slow down briefly or you could just do it. All right, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, uh, Eckhart, I'm getting out. And then, then I'm going to put my hand on his shoulder and I'm going to jump out. <laughs> right, uh, Eckhart, are you going to slow down? Because I, I thought you were ch- going to put your foot on the pedal. Yeah, well, actually what I do is I maintain the same speed, pop the car into neutral and slam my foot on the gas to make the engine rev really loud. Right. Uh, so it seems like I'm charging them, but I'm actually not. Cool, so you can make a dexterity roll then. I think I'm pretty dexterous. I am a dancer. Yeah, I am dexterous. Okay, good. I made I made that statement, not being 100% sure. Yeah, so you do a perfect 
perfectly timed tumble, like a forward forward roll. You don't do it well enough to come up on your feet, but you're kind of like crouched down or maybe sitting on, sitting on the pavement as you watch your friends drive off. Now, Eckhart, you gun the engine. Make another drive roll. Wow. Wow. On the line. On the button. You just caught it nicely, and it really made a huge um, revving sound as, as the engine fired up. And, yeah, you've definitely caught their attention. Well, the car lurches forward. For a minute, they, the, the three thugs just look back at you, at the car that's now racing towards them. And the fact that perhaps there's a, a long arm poking out of one of the windows. Can I actually get onto the sideboards? You can climb out, yeah. It will require a little bit of... Uh, uh, I'm a stuntman. This is yeah, what I do. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> perfect. And what happens is you seem to have had at least partially the desired effect because two of them have let go of Irma and you see they're reaching inside their jackets. The other one, now having to contend with Irma on his own, he stopped dragging her towards the pontoon. He's like at the barrier, really, at the edge of the, the bridge, but he's just kind of holding her there while she's struggling. And the other two have stepped forward a few paces and are getting ready to pull out their guns. I have a pistol too, so I'm not really going to be, I don't have any more likelihood of, of hitting them than they do me. I'm ducking down, just keeping one eye above the dashboard so I can see what's going on and I've got my pistol out, but I'm not shooting back at them at this point. Your car's about to get shot to shit, by the way. <laughs> my plan was to jump out of the car and then swing around, because I figured now was only one guy with her. I'm gonna try okay. to take him out to rescue her. So you can you can kind of quickly nip across those, I guess they're tram line into the arch gangway or promenade bit, and there you'll be well hidden. But you are a couple of hundred yards away. It's going to take you a couple of rounds to get there. I guess I didn't realize how far away we were, but that's okay. You know, I'm, I, this is my first time. So uh, if there is a tram that's going by, I will try to jump on the side of it to speed up my progress. But if not, then... Uh... It's, it's not a tram. It's actually a horse-drawn milk cart. Yeah, I, don't, I jump on the side, it's going slower than people walking. <laughs> that would be uh, very much a black and white two-reel comedy for that, that scene. Right, so um, the first thing then that's going to happen is that, Max, you're going to get in range of your rifle. Given that it's taken a whole round to do that, I'll say that you can spend that whole round aiming, which in fact is what, what they're doing as well. They're sort of aiming and waiting. What that does, it gives you a bonus dice. However... You are in a fast-moving vehicle, which is going to give you a penalty dice. So it basically cancels out the penalty dice. Okay. The one who has her, do I have a clear shot at him? No. Or is he sort of holding her as a shield? Yeah, it would be very risky. Well, one, he's kind of behind the others. Those two have like come forward and they're trying to almost block the way. Well, at least that they're. It looks like they they want to just fill the car full of bullets to try and stop you from getting to them. The others are behind, and also. He's kind of really close up with her, like grappling her. So you've got as much chance of hitting her as him. Yeah, I'm going to hit try for one, just the one who's closest or, you know, on the left or something. All right, well, take your shot, man. Yeah, you just kill him straight off, right between the eyes. And the other guy now is, he obviously sees this happening and he's just going to start firing at you uh, yeah. or at the car. I'm not going to like, try and duck or anything i'm going to try and just light up my next shot so so he's gonna fire back at the car he's gonna fire three times he's gonna have two penalty dice for that because of the range and firing three times but he has spent around aiming so it's only one penalty dice. 
Does, I don't even need to roll the penalty dice. One. No. <laughs> I think panic he's in a stricken. bit of a panic. Yeah. Ooh, 60. Yeah. That's going to hit. Oh, you are lucky. It hits the, the car. Okay, the good thing is it doesn't do any damage to, to the car of, of any serious nature, but it maybe it takes out one of the headlights. That's gonna, just going to be a little repair job for you. And the car continues to leap forward. And then you see the man turn around and say something harsh and short to the guy behind him. And you can see to your horror, he's starting to try and haul Irma over the barrier. Is it possible that I could have read his lips? My other ability that I have, <laughs> that I've yet to use. I was looking at the weird things I have. I have arts and crafts and I have read lips. <laughs> I have 35 too, which doesn't matter. I mean, I know what he said. I can probably infer, but I'm in a power game. Because the fact that he actually tur turned around and said it, you only saw the corner of his mouth. What? For some reason, I think that he says, uh, I love you. Anyway, you're, you're rapidly approaching this scene of craziness. So, Katroyan, do you want to return fire now that this guy is just firing wildly at you? I'm going to wait. I'm going to be very patient. I'm going to be okay. very patient and wait. You're holding it steady and aiming. Eckhart, you can see what's going on ahead of you. This thug, you can see he's, he's easily winning the battle with Irma. Irma's struggling frantically, bravely, trying to kind of scratch him and kick him with her, with her high-heeled shoes. But he's kind of half got her up over the railing. You can see he intends to just dump her onto the pylons below or into the river. It's going to take you at least another round to get there, unless you really drive to the absolute limit of your abilities. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to floor it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Failing, getting there in time, I'm trying to be there just as he's hauling her up onto the edge, and then I just cream him with the car. Okay so that she's up on the edge and doesn't get it. No matter how good your driving roll is, you're not going to be able to get to them this round. But if you roll really well, you'll be able to get there next round. So, All right, well, I'm flooring it. Okay. Wow. Ha! There we go. Didn't even need to spend luck. The thing is, you're going to have to go through this this guy first, the, the one standing there firing wildly at you, if you want to get to them. You're just going to have to plow through him. Yeah. I, I duck my head down, you know, below the steering wheel. I guess we hear the sound of of the bolt on the Mauser uh, being pulled back. Well, how hard is the shot to hit the one with Irma? That's really risky. I mean, you can try it if you want, but... Are you a really good shot? A pretty good shot. 70. But you probably need an extreme. How much luck have you got? You, you're not going to need an extreme, but if you fumble, you're... You hit her. You hit her, and you're going to have two penalty dice. I, I'm going to try and get rid of the other guy then. Okay. So as you're leveling your rifle, trying to hold it steady as the car's kind of bumping along the bridge a bit, you actually see him starting to run towards the car with his gun out, getting ready to just unload everything. So yeah, you can take your shot with the penalty dice. So two penalty dice would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> Roll your damage. Wow, 12. You hit him in the chest, but it's not quite enough to kill him. And you see something just crazy happening. He is just leaping, just leaping at, at the car. He's trying to jump through the windscreen, just launching himself towards the windscreen. 
I don't think safety glass had been invented in 1920, had it? This guy is trying to be a PC right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. is there anything you want to do whilst this half-dead thug is basically just using his body to try and wreck your car? I shake my fist at him and say, I'll bill you for that. Okay, so with the almost superhuman leap, he leaps forward and, and it's all happening so fast. So he's managed to kind of aim himself at the car. As you're careening forwards, Eckhart, you need to make uh, one more drive auto roll to see whether you can try and swerve out of the way or break or do something to avoid getting crumped by this flying body. Ha! Wow! Wow! Yes! Oh my, god. oh my fucking god, you rolled a critical. All right, you tell me what happens. Yeah, he throws himself at the car, and I just make a very slight maneuver, and he, like, misses. Like, he just barely misses the back bumper, and, like, maybe, like, dings his head off the back bumper and, like, is behind us and does not affect our course in, at all. Until you realize that maybe he caught his his uh, trouser cuff on the bumper, and you're just dragging him bloody, his bloodied cords along the bridge. <laughs> I mean, if you want to make it more gruesome, fine. Always, always. As we are getting close now to the remaining guy, I throw my rifle back in to the car, and I want to sort of get out. If Eckhart misses or something, we can't get there in time, I want to sort of leap uh, off at the guy to try and stop him throwing Irma over the bridge. Okay. Well, let's do this first. Anne-Marie, your careening milk cart has caught up with the action. You are unobserved by anyone, including your friends. So you might be able to get a clean shot on this guy because his back is to you. Yeah, I'm not opposed to shooting somebody in the back, so I will definitely pop him. And I'm, I'm going to unload because I can shoot three times without a penalty die because I have rapid fire. And you're going to have to be quick because you see to your horror that he's actually managed to get Irma completely over the side and she's hanging on by her by her fingertips in classic Saturday morning serial fashion and he's trying to prise her fingers off the railings but now it means you've got a clean shot there's no chance of hitting her so can you save Irma oh my god that's 12 damage <laughs> extreme hit yeah well it does, doesn't matter the, the, your first bullet just catches, oh, it, catch, catches him in the shoulder and almost spins him half round and then the second one it just gets him dead centre and he goes tumbling backwards over the bridge and you hear this strangled scream and then a crump. And you see Irma's fingertips and it looks like she's starting to lose her grip. What are you gonna do? Well, actually, no, not you, you've taken your action, but the others. Safina, you're, you're, you're in this racing car that's come screeching to a halt. You can take an action now as you see, as you see Irma's hands slipping from the railings. Shit. Can I die for her? Yeah. Or is it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Maybe you just kick the door open as fast as you can, and you make a lunge. So make... Jump. Yeah, make, make a jump roll. Oh, God. No, no, I don't I don't even want to... I do not burn. you want to burn 66 luck? <laughs> I don't need this lady. Okay, well, Max, you... Um, yes, I want to do it. You didn't... Yeah, you haven't taken your action yet, so you can also try and jump out. Oh, yeah, and you're on the running board. If you spend nine luck, you can make that a hard success. Yes, for sure. Okay, so you, you launch yourself off, and those years of training, of falling downstairs, falling off roofs, 
falling off the back of trucks, all of that comes to the fore, and you leap across, and you you do take one damage from the bruising your ribs are about to get, but you almost almost land halfway across the railings of the bridge, just as Irma's hands are slipping, and can you make a strength roll? Yes. Oh, well done. And you just manage to grab her as she's falling and haul her back onto the bridge. And the quiet descends. You look down below and you see the broken body, broken and mangled body of, of the thug who went over the bridge with two of Amory's bullets lodged in him. I call from the car. Time to go. Yeah, I'm going to just scoop her up. And- I tend to agree. Yeah. Anna Maria should get in the car as well. Okay, yeah. Right, so you all get back in the car after that drama and um, drive off. And amazingly, you're expecting to hear the sirens or the, the bell of the, of the bulla coming in, in one of the children's cars, but no, somehow today there isn't. But you do hear something else. You do hear this sort of strange hooting sound as you drive off you see about a dozen owls perched on the parapet of the bridge looking down at you. I say, eyes everywhere. Yeah. This can't be good. Irma is, is a bit um, dumbstruck in the back. And she's, she's looking at you. And for the first time ever, she looks like the scared young girl that she is. And she wipes away a tear. She says, oh, thank you. I was sure that was it. Pesh, it must have been Pesh. Poor Georg. They shot him. And then she just starts sobbing. I don't think we can return to the cafe. I will give my handkerchief to her. For now, we keep moving. She dabs at her, her eyes. She says, I knew I was taking a risk telling you, but I didn't think they would act so quickly. Is it the Baron using the owls? Do you know? No. Have you not seen them? They're everywhere. And then you do notice that maybe high up on all the buildings as you're driving through, there are just owls everywhere. Okay. So maybe they're not following us. And there were no owls. I mean, my, in my extensive notes, in that that dream that I, that, that where we we all got uh, killed. Well, I didn't get killed, but uh, there wasn't owls in that, though, right? I don't have any connection to owls there. I don't have any in my notes, so this is something new. So there was lots of animals. But no, there weren't any owls. But also, there weren't any cockroaches. And the city seems to just be infested right now with swarms of hissing cockroaches as well. That's weird. So I just keep driving. And so what's our next move? Should we go to the other club? I do. I have the Bonobo. Do you have a second club? Is it actually open yet for business, or is it still... Well, it's always open for me. Yeah, that's true. No, what I mean is, because I, I thought you were still, like, um, renovating it or something. Was that oh, no, 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 no. It's open for business now. It's been it's been a while, yeah. We could hide her in the synagogue with Belshazzar. <laughs> Would he do that for us? Yeah. Well, also remember, though, that we now know that Belshazzar was more part of it than he let on. Understand her nature? He was the one that made the mannequin. That's also true. Right, but also the rabbi wasn't part of it, I suppose. She's essentially one of his creations. Yeah. Well, and also the rabbi wasn't part of it, right? And he's really taking care of it. If you think she'll be safe at your cafe or 
I doubt it. I'll take her to the Bon. I, I want to take her to the Bonobo. I mean, she'll be safer there. She's but under it's my known protection. as a place of yours. Yes. What about Baron von Kleist? He owes us a favor, doesn't he? Do we trust him? I don't trust him at all, but I was hoping not to have to call that favor yet. What? You know what we could bring her? Yeah. The other option is is Belshazzar's house in the secret room. We know that he's not there either. That's not a that's not a safe place. That's like But there was the secret room behind the well, I mean, you'd have to be a fool to bring her back there, so maybe that's what we should bring her. <laughs> I think Rudolph's house makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense, too. I forget who Rudolph is. He's the dance instructor. He's the dance instructor. Yeah. And he also seemed to have something to do with it, but it was a little bit more yeah. vague. But he was on tour, so we're assuming his house is empty, or it seemed to be empty. We could just break in, and it's out of the way. Or it's like a country man. This isn't going to have, like, a groundskeeper or a, you know... It's a mansion, staff like he's not there that doesn't mean it's empty we'll just charm them i don't think so yeah you did roll an extreme dance roll so maybe you just need to do another pirouette and they'll oh bullshit your way past the staff as like his student or something before right that's but then when we went there he was going on tour so he couldn't take me on so like we've been there before like a legit uh if there's a staff there yeah we 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 need money uh, terms i have yeah (laughs) (laughs) looking at Sell that fur coat. So, yes, you, after a bit of circling around in, in Mitter, not really knowing where to go, you eventually decide to head out to Rudolf von Laban's mansion in the Grunewald. And, yeah, you get there. I'll tell you what, make a group luck roll. Ooh, only just. You, you are in luck, actually. The only person there is a kindly groundskeeper who perhaps remembers, remembers the, the rather memorable Anne-Marie from last time and after maybe a little bit of persuading and the pleading maybe to his better nature he he allows you to to leave Irma there as she clearly looks a young lady in distress is something that that he does not like seeing especially these days with all this craziness going on in the city okay we still leave him a tip yeah you know to make sure she has something to eat or does she eat? I don't actually know, but whatever. And perhaps the last thing you see as you drive off is is Irma standing, looking out of one of the bay windows with a sad and world-weary look on her face. The Weltschmerz. Well, for now, she seems to be safe, at least as far as, as best you can. Now, we need somewhere for ourselves to hole up while we uh, wait to... Uh go after growl it's only a couple of hours now maybe well i guess the most public place you can head is um the large beer halls but everything is is starting to get a bit crazy in the city you you see that the police have more the reason you probably haven't didn't hear those police bells earlier is the police more or less have abandoned the streets to the craziness that's going on at least those who who haven't joined in the the mad revelry going on all around you do you want to head to the bookshop like on on time on the dot or what do you want to do i think we want to get there early i want to know what other other people are thinking are we are we waiting at the back are we attending the lecture are we splitting up what's the plan i have a feeling they will react poorly to seeing us are there any of us they won't 
recognize. Yes, yeah, he he didn't recognize the two women who were dressed as men at the time. But all three of us girls, quote unquote, were like nailed dead in the water. You could go in as attendees, potentially. But I think if all of us go in, we'll be made immediately. It seems fun, girls' night out. Or we could just wait I outside. That. I think that a couple people could go in as attendees, a couple more, everybody else should wait to see who goes in. Well, don't you want to put pressure on them? So I feel like the best way to do that is two people go in there discreetly, and then everybody else waits till the place is mostly full, and, you know, it's just about to start, and then the muscle walks in. You know, because it's almost like so he has no place to go. Okay. He's about to start, you know. Right. But then just don't sit with us, obviously. The entrance was from the inside of the bookstore, right? I mean, unless you just want to stay outside. Passageway to the back? And... Yeah. It was that area behind the empty second floor area. There was also a back door. <laughs> you can climb up the back. We know there's nothing upstairs. We need to be ready for uh, trickery. Grigorovich attempted something in the, on me in the shop. He tried to suggest that I attack Max. It was strange. I never felt anything like it before. For a moment, it almost seemed reasonable. Oh, all right. that, that could be dangerous. Then I think Anne-Marie's idea is a good one because when they've sort of started, there's less of a chance that they'll notice who's coming in. Maybe we can sort of stealth around the side or something. Might as well just go immediately after dropping off Irma. Get there at 6.30 or whatever and just sit outside and watch. See if we can confirm Growl going in would be best. As far as going in, I'll... I'll uh... I'll go in around 7.30. Okay. All right, so you head back to Zion Kirschstrasse. So that we don't seem to be together. You probably arrived there then about 7.30, after having perhaps rested up and taken stock of the situation. And there's a steady stream of people actually already entering. Not like in... Uh, I'm not talking about hundreds of people. Every, every few minutes, another couple of people into the into the shop and you see them go through uh, the curtain off area at the back and head in whatever kind of lecture room or whatever they have um, at the back of the shop so Safina and Amari you want to head in then yeah we're definitely into this uh, transcending the sexual fourth dimension you walk through I won't kind of skulk around behind you as you chat with people yeah I'll, I'll walk in and I'll look for what is clearly like a couple that has like a, like a dude that's like totally into it and clearly he's got his wife there that doesn't want to be there. Some people are heading back through the curtains. Obviously nothing has started yet. Others are just milling around in, in the bookshop, maybe just reading stuff to pass the time. Are you going to go through to the back as well? Yeah, as soon as we're allowed to. I'm going to say, uh, are there snacks? No, I bring my, bring my own. Would you like a sandwich? Oh, jeez. Hell Yeah. <laughs> That's very generous of you. Uh, I will take out my flask and offer him some whiskey. <laughs> well, we're, no. Yeah, yeah, let's go in. Yeah, there's this old, dotty old couple that you've you've kind of somehow latched onto, and they're handing out pumpernickel sandwiches with with uh, butter and ham. Oh, oh, that sounds fantastic. Is this your first time uh, uh, transcending the fourth dimension? No, we 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 love these crazy lectures. We've been to many of them, but. Have you been seeing what's going on outside? These last few days, it's like the city has gone mad. How do you mean mad? 
Well, you've seen them running around, taking their clothes off. I mean, I'm not a prude or anything, but keep that stuff at home. We don't need to all see it all like swinging about all the time. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a different generation to you. Maybe you young ladies like that sort of thing, but no. Yes, I have noticed that. This is why we don't talk to people. <laughs> you you can't. You gotta be polite if you're taking a bloody sandwich. But I already took the sandwich. <laughs> she says, "Come, come through, come through, because it's good to get a seat up front." And then her husband says, "Helga, I need to use the little boys' room before we go." As they push through the curtains, you see the, the gentleman. He he opens the door to the right hand side, um, and there's clearly a, a WC in there, and. You can make a spot hidden roll, both you and and Safina. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Safina. Normally, you're you're pretty much head in the clouds, but as you. But I wasn't busy munching and talking to the old people. Yeah, as you look through, you sort of see through a very dirty glass pane in the door to your left. You see that there's some kind of office there, and it seems full of all kinds of books and you see even some flasks and vials or something on one of the tables as you head through to the lecture room so okay all right i'm gonna nudge Anne-Marie. you're gonna nudge <laughs> in a gesture so Amory, you've seen it now as well that now that now that safina's pointed out it does does look quite peculiar stuff in that office okay. is the door open i mean like unlocked i'm just gonna walk up and try the handle I'm going to do it in a stealthy way, but in the way that you do something, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be like, I'm going to just kind of walk up and put my hand on it and try it. Because I'm pretty stealthy. You slightly turn the handle and it's it's locked. Yeah. So you head through the curtains and there's a, in, very, in contrast to the low ceiling and rather dark front room of the, the bookshop, the back room is brightly lit and has a high ceiling and much less cramped and cranky than the, than the actual bookshop itself. And uh, about half the seats are taken, but there are four seats up front that you can position yourselves into if you want to sit right up front. The, the, your, your two new friends have uh, kind of beckoning you. And, and the lady says, there's more pumpernickel. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. She, she seems to have um, taken you under her wing somewhat for some reason, I don't know. Reminds me of home. Okay. Meanwhile, outside, Excellent. I, uh, I'm excited to have a mentor. What was your plan, the three robust gentlemen? I was just going to see what the others did. <laughs> yeah, well, I think our plan was to sit outside and watch who went in. See if we see any of uh, the uh, prime characters. And uh, whether we do or not, head in shortly after 8, like 8.05. Okay. Yeah, so you're out there waiting. You, you just see bunch of random people showing up at this place. Uh, you don't notice anyone. You certainly don't see Growl. The bookshop owner is nowhere to be seen either. Yeah, Gregor Gregorius. Well, I mean, he's not like, you can't see him in the shop and you, and obviously he, he's not arriving at the shop. But at the back, in the lecture room, Safina and Anne-Marie, after a few minutes, the back door to the alley opens and Gregor Gregorius actually comes in. He hasn't had any meaningful interaction with you, plus you're in disguise as men, so he doesn't recognize you. And he just stands by the dais, adjusting maybe the lectern, and there's some notes, perhaps, that he puts down, and uh, he kind of looks out and, and smiles in a fairly awkward way. He's clearly not a very sociable man, as we all know. But uh, 
he make he does his best to uh, to present a, a welcoming welcoming impression. So, at about five minutes to eight, the back door to the alley opens again, and this time, in comes Growl, Albin Growl, a man you haven't seen in a long time, Safina and Anne Marie, and he looks different. He looks really different. His hair is a wild mass atop his head. His shirt collar is unbuttoned. And he looks rather crazed, I would say, is the best way to describe it. He's been staying up far too many nights in a row without sleep. And he's, he looks just very excited. You can see he's kind of almost hopping, kind of bouncing up and down on the soles of his feet as he, as he comes in. And there's another man with him, a man that you don't recognize at all who he's brought in. And as the conversation dies down in the room, the music starts up. They start playing um, playing some classical music. And then um, Gregor Gregorius gets gets up on the stage and he says, welcome to uh, the meeting of the, the Fraternitas Saturni. I know we are in strange times, but all the better to have another evening with our great brother, Freta, Pasitius, and he uh, welcomes Grau up onto the stage, and there's a light smattering of applause from from everyone. And Pasitius, or Grau, uh, he takes the stage and says, "My friends, we are at the threshold of greatness. All that we have waited for, all that we have wanted, is in our hands." And he has this wild, staring look in his eye. And he says, I have brought a very special speaker tonight, Freta Leonardo, one of our most talented members and a master of mirror magic. And you probably recall that one of the flyers for this evening talked about mirror magic. The bookshop has cleared. Everyone's gone through to the back. I locked the door to the bookshop just so I know who's behind me. Okay, then let's take a look around. Just look around the shelves. There's nobody in this front room. No. It's completely empty. All right. But you can hear voices coming from the back, muffled through the uh, curtains. All right, one of us should go around the back then. Should I go? I mean, maybe you, we might need you to intimidate him, talk to him. I'm very scary as well, trust me. Okay. Well, I'm happy to wait around Max, the back. Max, you're more the actual fighter, so you yes. should go around back. Yeah. Because that's where they're likely to go and where we're yeah. actually going to need to... I agree with that. So... I guess I'm going out the front door yeah. and around the street to the back. So I guess Eckhart will lock the door after after I leave. Okay, sure. And when I get to the back door, I just want to try it. Is it locked from the outside? No, it's not. You can turn the handle and it clicks. It'll clearly, you can open it. Can I just peek inside? Yeah, make a stealth roll, though. <laughs> I don't think I'm very stealthy. Probably not. No, I'm not very stealthy. You want to spend 61 luck? No. <laughs> no. All right, so you open it, and people clearly see see that the door is open. But they don't see you, because obviously if you're opening it, just a crack. But the good news is you'll be able to hear the lecture if you leave it open like that. I might do that, because if I hear someone coming, I can get ready. But I won't yeah. walk inside or anything. Yeah. I might just sort of leave it, open a crack. So the good news is that no one yet has come over and closed the door, even though perhaps people saw it. Maybe they thought that someone opened it to let air in because it's um, 
maybe getting a bit stuffy in there. So Eckhart and Katroyan, what, what are you doing? Are you going to go in? Let's go in and just like walk in and like try to take seats towards the back. Okay, cool. And like, acknowledgement. Because the, the lecture's in full flow. You can move, go in fairly discreetly, but at the same time, it's noticeable when someone enters an already, you know, a lecture that's already started. You know, people are aware. So you and Katroyan both need to make a stealth roll. Definitely not mine either. Yeah, we weren't really trying to be stealthy anyway. It's just a question of whether you are... So as you come through, you see Albin Grau, because you know him very well, both of you. He looks straight at you, and then he just bursts into a large, wide smile, and he gestures excitedly for you to come and sit down. And then, Brother Leonardo steps up. Freighter Leonardo. Grau sits down and, start, and listens attentively. And Leonardo starts. I have always been missing something. Then so often within our circle, the impulse of the new age has been discovered. I am missing the absolute becoming aware, the radical articulation, which every one of us has to feel within their flesh and blood. With regards to this matter, we cannot look often enough at the similarities between our situation today, the first Gnostics in classical Rome, from all the countless catacombs, a mysterious admonition is coming toward us. During these days when they lived their lives in absolute truthfulness, a whole world was shattered. It was with the downfall of Rome that the last of the classical empires sank into dust. Yet even back then, the few initiated felt everything passing by like a huge wind. And the speech just goes on in this vein, pompous, pseudo-mystical claptrap for about half an hour. You might all have to roll a power roll to see whether you um, drift off into boredom. At last, Brother Leonardo finally concludes he is possibly one of the most pompous and least interesting people you've ever had to listen to speak. And he says, the clock of the world is advancing to its last hour. Who knows if the good and harmonic forces will prevail and spare us the imminent bitter chalice of another war? because it would result in the downfall of whole cultures, or might even this suffering be necessity, according to a higher resolution, to further mature humanity. We do not know. And remarkably, there is general applause as he wraps up. You see Gregorius, he walks down the side of the side of the room. He kind of catches your eye, and then he looks, he looks down at his feet and hurries on, because obviously he remembers your last encounter. And you, you hear him go back, you see him go back through the curtains and then and then perhaps you hear the click of a key and the, and the squeak of a door opening and then closing. And then at the end, after the applause, Grau gets up and he's sort of surrounded by a few people who are all coming over and shaking his hand and shaking Leonardo's hand and there's general conversation going on. No one has left yet, the, the apart from Gregorius. I think we should go say hello. Yeah, no, th- no just the two of us. So you two go up to Growl, and he gives you this cracked smile as he sees you, and he's looking at you with these fierce, almost burning eyes. He says, my good friends, oh, so good to see you again. And he reaches out and he claps you both on the back. I said, yes, so good to see you as well. Uh, We have much to discuss, come, we must talk. No, we talk here, we talk here. There are many people I have to talk to. Anything you can say, you can say to me now. Let's say he looks like he's in a somewhat elevated mood. 
No, no, you misunderstand. There's someone you must meet. Come, come. It's just a short drive. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Give me a few minutes. Well, I, we've, we've, it's been so long. Where are your friends? Where are your lovely friends? Where, where is uh, they're, my... they're already waiting in the car. Uh, trust me, you won't want to, to miss the chance. Oh, well, look, I, I'm so pleased with you. Give me a few minutes. Just give me five minutes. I truly, you, you are on the right path. Brother Leonardo is right. A new wind is blowing. Can't you hear it? You can hear it now. Bringing the birds, bringing the beasts, bringing uh, the cockroaches with it. <laughs> Surely you've noticed. It gusts all day and night. Now that she is here. Yes, well, it is her that uh, I wish to discuss. Really? Oh, yes. wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Then I will come with you, but you must come with me to the Grosser Schauspielhaus. Be transformed as I have. <laughs> oh. You must tell me all about it. Oh, I will, I will. Oh, the word will spread to the whole city. She rules the night, holding court between sunset and sunrise. Soon all shall be night. <laughs> you see, all shall be night. <laughs> and I think that's where we'll end it.